702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. On the show today, Umarusi says no leaked papers this year, but the Hawks arrest 11 for selling fake certificates. Over a thousand learners caught copying. The DA conducts an oversight visit at NSFAS. Five more confirmed dead in KZN flooding. Beaches are closed. John James replaces David Teeger as the under-19 captain amidst backlash. And we'll wrap up the weekend sport. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. We are back in the swing of getting ready for school. I know some schools have gone back already, other schools going back uh, this week. Let me know how you're feeling and if you are... um, under 18, you're also allowed to let us know how you're feeling and send us a WhatsApp voice note and tell us uh, if you're ready to go back to school. I know that many parents are ready for school to start again. I share your feelings about that. Uh, 072-702-1702-072-567-1567. We are gearing up for the release of matric results as well. So Umalusi having a press conference today, uh, that briefing, uh, which uh, gives us an update uh, from the assessment body. That's what Umalusi is on the National Senior Certificate, uh, other um, vocational certificates as well. The key takeaways there, Umalusi is saying 11 suspects have been arrested for selling fake certificates. Uh, the Hawks have arrested those 11. Uh, there's a lot of concern around the cheating in exams. Uh, lots of people seem to be using crib notes. Um, but generally, I think that the, the good news is the fact that there were no paper leakages. Let's have a listen to part of that briefing today. Another matter worth mentioning is that this is the last media briefing for Mayor Marie Louise Madalani, Senior Manager for Quality Assurance of Assessment, School Qualifications. She will be going on retirement in May 2024. We thank Mayor Marie Louise Madalani for the contribution that she has made to Malusi in the various roles that she played over the years, 19 years to be specific. Program Director, I find it necessary to provide the public with an update on the progress made in connection with the problem of selling and buying of fake and or fraudulent certificates. Something that was covered widely in the media over the last six months. Since the State of Readiness media briefing held on 13 October 2023, during which we, amongst others, informed the public about the safeguards implemented to ensure the authenticity and credibility of Umarusi certificates, 11 suspects have been arrested by the South African Police Service, SAPS, on different dates. The first two suspects were arrested in Beggars Fort in Limpopo, on 27 October. One suspect was arrested in Pretoria in November. The next three were arrested on 20 November and the last five were nabbed on 13 December 2023. That is the Umalusi CEO, Dr. Mafu Rakometsi, giving that update today. 
cheating, copying, that seems to be the big issue. Gloria Mosquera, EWN reporter, following that briefing for us. Uh, Gloria, firstly, holistically, the big picture, uh, Umalusi happy in general with the metric exams? Good afternoon, Mandy. Overall, Umalusi is happy with the results. There wasn't a lot of issues that affected the metric exams this year. They were saying that actually the all the exam centers had planned really well for the exams. Load shedding is normally quite a big issue that affects the exams. And this year they were saying that it wasn't really an issue because it was something that was planned for in advance and they made sure that that was, a, that was sorted out. The issue that was a, a bit of a problem this year actually was printing errors in Limpopo. So there was a situation with translation with some question papers from Afrikaans to English. There were some printing errors in that regard, but they did mention that uh, none of the students will be penalized for that. It's something that they will be addressing. But um, the one thing that was a big, big challenge that you just mentioned, Mandy, is the fact that there is a lot of cheating still. And uh, CEO Mafura Kumetsu was actually talking about that. He addressed that issue and was saying that majority of the people... Um, the cheating cases rather this year are coming from KZN. Umalus is seriously concerned about the group copying cases that have been detected by the DBE in 2023, which involves 945 national senior certificate candidates. These cases are not yet resolved because the numbers are still being verified. Of the total 763 cases, which is 80.7%, were detected in KwaZulu Natal. And 164 cases, which constitutes 17.7, were detected in Mpumalanga. Professor Balim will explain in the approval statement how cases of this nature are dealt with. So cheating, the big issue, crib notes and uh, people writing exams on behalf of other people. Uh, the Hawks also made 11 arrests, as, uh, as we heard earlier. What did they say about that? Like you said, Mandy, 11 people have been arrested. And Numalusi is cautioning the public to be extremely, extremely careful when it comes to writing centers where your child is writing an exam. They were saying that it's important to actually go on their website, find and check if that center is actually registered with Umalusi to avoid situations where at the end of the exam, there's a situation where now the child is not getting their matric exam or it's fake or situations like that. So it was just one of those situations where 11 people were arrested and they were saying that this is encouraging that the the, the, the law is working when it comes to dealing with this issue in particular. Gloria, thank you very much uh, for that report. Gloria Matshoira, EWN reporter, giving us an update there. Umalusi briefing the media to pronounce on the end-of-year national examination results. So those uh, matric exam results will be released later this week, Thursday night into Friday morning. I'd love to hear your expectations around that. And then, of course, uh, in Gauteng at the coast, also uh, gearing up to uh, to get schools ready. I know lots of people are, are busy making sure their bags are packed, their uniforms fit, and they've got all the right stationery and all of that and uh, we are seeing uh, the the changes to the school calendar for the 2024 academic year both coastal and inland provinces opening at the same time unlike previous years so we are hoping to speak to the uh, department of basic education spokesperson just to check how things are going 702 the midday report monday to friday 12 to 1 p.m 
So from high school to higher education, because there's been a great deal of controversy around NSFAS, calls for the higher education minister, Bladen Zamande, to resign. The NSFAS board chairperson, Ernest Koza, also taking a leave of absence. NSFAS, the National Student Financial Aid Scheme, is hoping to turn things around for the better this year as it uh, prepares for a new academic period. And we know that this is all because of the controversy around uh, the outer allegations, the um, failure to distribute funds to students, the axing of its uh, CEO, a corruption scandal involving Ernest Koza as well. So today, the DA is conducting an oversight inspection at the offices of the National Student Financial Aid Scheme in Cape Town. Let's speak to Chantal King. And uh, Chantal is the Shadow Minister of Higher Higher Education. Uh, Chantal, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, What are you uh, doing at NSFAS today? Uh, Chantal, I think we're just struggling with your line there, unfortunately. So I'm going to put you back to Tamagwini and ask her uh, to just sort that out for us. We'll try and uh, chat to uh, Chantal. There have been calls by various opposition parties for Bladen Zamande to resign, to step down. He has denied the allegations against him and has spoken about them. He is expected to also appear before Parliament at some point. We are waiting to hear when that will happen. And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. 12.16 on the Midday Report. So let's go back to uh, the DA's Shadow Minister of Higher Education, Chantal King, as the DA does an oversight inspection at the offices of the National Student Financial Aid Scheme in Cape Town. Chantal, good afternoon to you. Uh, hopefully, uh, that line is a bit clearer now. As much feel I can hear you clearly. Excellent. So Chantal, tell us, what are you doing at NSFAS today? Uh, we came to find out how far they were the outstanding payments for the 2023 cohort, uh, but we also wanted to see the facility itself and how it's handling um, student queries. Uh, we wanted information in terms of the direct payment system and the pilot project on student accommodation, and how this will have an effect, uh, considering also that universities are now going to increase the tuition fee and accommodation fee, considering they have the cap of the 45,000 rand per annum, um, and this will then exclude so many students. And what are the impressions from what you've uh, seen today and what your expectations were? Um, The issue that we saw is that there are definitely some capacity challenges with regards to um, the allowance payments. Um, There will definitely be um, challenges with regards to student accommodation as well. That is what they actually mentioned. They were unable to actually um, to today complete 100% of allowances of 2023. So they are still waiting for some information from institutions. Um, so yes, they admitted that there is challenges and that there will be um, challenges which they are trying to mitigate. And this does not give us a clear impression that there will not be students that will be left behind. How much do you think the political uh, controversy at the top is impacting on operations uh, at uh, at an office level? We know that there um, have been these allegations of corruption. We know that the board chairperson, Ernest Koza, has stepped aside. How much is that impacting on actually getting the payments out? 
basically going to impact a lot of students with regards to um, the funding allowances to be received. Um, we know that there's a 1.1 billion rand shortfall. And if you have to look at the various contracts that went out since the inception of the board um, and with all the colluding that took place, those are funds that could have gone towards uh, the tuition and accommodation fee of more students. So it has impacted students drastically in that regard. It will also impact on irregular expenditure when um, the Auditor General is going to go through the books because these companies, according to the Versement report, was asked that the contracts be terminated and to date it still hasn't taken place. Um, so, yeah, it's politically the interference and putting the right people at the right places to control situations is actually shortchanging accommodation service providers, institutions and students as well. Chantal, thank you very much. Uh, Chantal King, the Shadow Minister of Higher Education. They are busy today doing a site inspection, going to the NSFAS offices uh, in the wake of those controversies, but also around non-payment. So if you've had an issue with uh, non-payment, you haven't been paid, you should have been paid, and it hasn't happened yet, let us know about that. At the same time, other political parties also speaking up. Action SA's youth wing has demonstrated and has also called for Blade and Zamande to resign. Bladen Zamande, we know, has denied any of the allegations. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Let's go to the courts now. The bail application of the woman accused of murdering her family members for insurance benefit is continuing today in the Malopo Magistrate Court in Mahiking in the northwest. This is the story of Agnes and Chuancho that we have been telling you about. Uh, Shades of Rosemary and Lovu here. She's accused of killing her niece in order to claim insurance money. She's facing two counts of fraud, murder and defeating the ends of justice. Homoto Madise, EWN reporter, following this one for us. Uh, Khamoto, tell us about uh, the latest from court. Well, Mandy, today we came to court to hear arguments from the state. This is after on Friday, the state prosecutor at Kachinyane told the court that he couldn't proceed with his arguments because the defense had made additions to their initial case. And he was saying that he needs time to prepare as he makes arguments today in opposition um, or as he opposes bail. But today we heard from Tignani, who was basically telling the court that there are no exceptional circumstances for Agnes Sekhmutis' time to be granted bail. We know that according to the Criminal Procedure Act, for a schedule six offense, one, uh, the onus is on um, the accused or the applicant uh, to prove exceptional circumstances for her to be granted bail. Um, and what, we, what we're gathering from her, uh, her, her team, Mandy, is that, you know, she is diabetic. And, uh, you know, we heard her lawyers continuing to say it shouldn't be the state's work to get her medication into the prison file when she is in the position to get her own medication if she's granted bail. And so today we saw the, the state wrapping up their case. And now um, the court will reconvene on, on Friday uh, to make that judgment. We are expecting a judgment from um, the magistrate around whether or not Sotwanto is eligible for bail as a candidate. And what kind of support are we seeing for her? Um, are there any family members that are there? Are there members uh, of, of the community? It's always interesting to, to get a sense when someone's accused of, of such a crime, where she is uh, accused of um, claiming insurance money uh, after allegedly killing her niece. So what kind of support is there? 
Well, you know, of course, because of the nature of the story, the gallery is filled with family members. It is um, Satwanto relatives, that's her um, her husband's family, as well as uh, her own relatives. These are her brothers, and we've been seeing her daughter. And it seems in the gallery, the only person that's there in support of her is her daughter, Kalalelo. Last week, we actually heard uh, her lawyer saying the gallery is full of people, some who are in support of her and some who are against or who are aggrieved by her. And we heard loud contestation in the court at the mention uh, or at, at, at that statement. It's clear from the people that are in the gallery, the majority of them are aggrieved, the majority of them are very angry at what has happened here. Um, but her daughter, Khalilullah, continues to sit in the corner alone as she is there in support of her mother and she's hoping that her mother will be granted bail. They've made the argument that Khalilullah needs the support of her mother as she raises her own child, Agnes's grandchild. Khamotso, thank you very much uh, for that. Khamotso Modise, EWN reporter. One of those stories that really is just gripping, fascinating. The case of Agnes Nchwancho, who was arrested in November last year for allegedly killing her niece, Bonolo, uh, in order to claim insurance. So there's a, an application for bail. We're expecting a judgment on whether or not she's actually eligible for bail. Uh, the state making its case at the moment in the Malopo Magistrates Court. 702. 702. Mandy Weena. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, as we wait for Parliament to reopen in the next couple of weeks, the Powers and Privileges uh, Committee has uh, started another EFF disciplinary hearing for disruptive behaviour relating to conduct last year. Uh, It's Parliament's first order of business for the year. There were two other hearings uh, around Powers and Privileges and disciplinary hearings concluded in December. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter on this one for us. Babalo, just remind us uh, what exactly this hearing is is for because there have been other EFF disciplinary hearings as well. Uh, yes, indeed, Mandy. This hearing now is for um, incidents that took place on the 9th and 10th of June 2022. And, um, you know, it's all over a year since the incident happened, but Parliament's still dealing with this matter. And it was in the National Assembly during President Cyril Ramaphosa's presidency budget vote. And it happened over two days. And on the second day was the day where he was supposed to respond you know, to the debate into the presidency budget or budget vote one. And there were, you know, disruptions by about eight MPs from the EFF during that sitting or those two sittings where some of them are accused by parliament, you know, of trying to stop, you know, the parliamentary protection services from, you know, um, fulfilling their duties by trying to remove some members in the House. They also say that, you know, they call the president a criminal without providing a substantive, you know, motion or without substantiation. And they also improperly interfered and impeded in the business of the house and also did not obey, you know, certain, um, you know, orders that were given by the speaker or the presiding officer. And they, to quote, willfully refused to obey rules of the National Assembly. So this is really what's happening now. This is the third hearing, as you've mentioned. There were two separate hearings last year involving several members of the EFF. These were concluded and they were sanctioned. These sanctions are still to be implemented. And now this is the third of those hearings. And, you know, they're quite similar, but happen on different occasions. And Parliament, uh, really, the Powers and Privileges Committee, still grappling with, you know, these disciplinary or disruptive, you know, behaviour or contempt of Parliament by certain members, Mandy.
And, and just for clarity, the EFF members and the EFF party uh, itself, is it participating? Um, have they uh, got legal representatives? What is their argument in response? Yes, indeed, they are participating. They are present, all members present on the platform virtually. They are represented by advocate Mfesane Kasboto. He's the same advocate who represented them in the previous hearings. And he's re- repeating basically his call at the last hearing that was concluded that, you know, the evidence is baseless. They really need to have the speaker present as well at this hearing. You know, they can only, they're insisting that the speaker must be present. Only the speaker can answer certain questions because, you know, they say there are some inconsistencies with the evidence and some of the, you know, what's contained on the Hansard as well as some of the recordings. And they're saying only the speaker can provide clarity on these matters. As well as a, another critical point, Mandy, is that there's a Part B court application which follows an interdict attempt that failed last year. Now, the Part B is really the review of the parliamentary rules, and this will decide on the fairness of this process because the EFF is arguing that you know their political enemy, the ANC, is a majority in the committee, and this committee is chaired by an ANC MP, and they're really calling into question the fairness of this particular process and and that this will be decided on, I guess, I think the court returns on Thursday, according to the EFF uh, um, advocate, Mandy. So we're just waiting to see the finalization of that um, specific, you know, court hearing. But um, today, that was the crux of their argument. Babalo, thank you very much. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, with an update there on the Powers and Privileges Committee, uh, another EFF disciplinary hearing there for disruptive behaviour. This one uh, relates to June 2022 when the president was disrupted. Um, and this is the first uh, order of business for Parliament for the year. WhatsApp Mandy on 072 Good day, uh, Mendivina. It's not many in Pretoria. Uh, I think that uh, the chairperson or the board chairperson of NSFAS did the honorable thing by uh, taking a leave of absence. And, but what is uh, shocking is that uh, the person who came to uh, the voters with the ticket of clean governance, uh, President Ramaphosa, has not put uh, the Minister of Higher Education, Dr. Bladen Zimand, on suspension. And I'm asking myself why. But it's quite clear. I mean, uh, the ANC is known for promising uh, their voters certain things and not fulfilling those promises. Bladen Ziman is going to Davos to do what? I don't know. I hear the, the Treasury Minister is saying he's going there. I'm, I'm surprised by this development. Um, how's it, Mandy and team and everybody? <sighs> Can I just ask something, guys? Is it me? Maybe I'm just very old. But aren't the trick, didn't the trick results used to come out like the second third of january i mean what's the date today right i mean okay decades ago yes people used to go to the, the printing offices of the newspaper place and everybody would camp outside and then look for their results in the newspaper okay that i understand was forever ago but i mean even up to more recently surely results from matric should be coming out much earlier I mean, university applications. Okay, I'm talking too much now, but I'm just asking. Anybody help me? There's a resounding mmm from everybody in the studio. Everyone going, yes, you're right. And it is late. Remember, 
I think it was COVID-related that it started coming out later. Um, but my team is saying no. Um, but it is very late because people do need to do university applications, uh, accommodation, everything, jobs, all sorts of stuff. So it is coming out very late. For it to come out uh, on the 19th of January, it is very, very late. Uh, we'll check to to, uh, to find out from Umulusi or from uh, the Department of Education. We were hoping to speak to the Department of Education about school readiness. But this also is, is an issue that we will take. Up. Thank you. Let me know your thoughts on that. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. 12.34 on the Midday Report. Uh, you heard in the Sport Bulletin there about the Proteus women's team. Also, of course, the Under-19 World Cup starts on Friday this week. A lot of controversy around that relating to uh, David Teeger, who was the captain, is no longer the captain following that announcement from CSA last week. Joan James has been announced as the captain. And just an update on this from News 24, reporting that uh, Cricket South Africa is set to meet the uh, BDS coalition the South African Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions Coalition and the South African Jewish Board of Deputies this week as that captaincy saga overshadows the build-up to the Under-19 World Cup. There has been a lot of backlash around this. Uh, Tiga relieved of the captaincy on Friday, CSA announcing uh, the new captain on Sunday. Uh, Tiga was cleared of his pro-Israeli comments that he made at the Absent Jewish Achievers Awards by Vim Trengov SC last month. So the latest there is is that uh, Network 24 reporting at the weekend that Tiga's axing from the captaincy role was a political, um, but the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Zizi Kodwa, has uh, said that uh, his department's mandate doesn't extend to the selection and makeup of teams, vehemently denying the allegations that it was political, that decision. Um, and uh, it looks like that's going to carry on rumbling on this week. The minister saying that uh, he doesn't interfere with the selection of national teams and captaincy, that they allow federations and associations to run sport independently. Of course, this is important because because if it is found that the minister did interfere politically, then there are implications for us competing within the ICC, the International Cricket Council. There are requirements that the minister cannot be involved politically. So that's why this is so cru- so crucial. And uh, the Jewish Board of Deputies are saying that uh, it is anti-Semitic. So lots of reaction to that. You can expect it to carry on uh, throughout the week as well. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Let's go to KwaZulu-Natal now, where five more people have been declared dead following a flooding in KZN, Durban beaches, public pools closed as well, following rain, uh, damaging infrastructure. Let's get an update on all of that with Sponisom Gadi, the KZN Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs spokesperson who joins us now. Unfortunately, it looks like that line has just dropped to uh, Sponiso. Uh, but we will get an update on that because of that situation with the flooding in KZN. Two people died last night in Forweni outside Durban. Another one died in Umlazi. So Cogta saying that emergency teams remain on high alert. The Etiquini Metropolitan Municipality has closed multiple beaches and public swimming pools following heavy rains across KZN. In addition to those five that I mentioned, eight people have also been killed. Hundreds have been displaced as well. Six people 
people are still missing. There's been damage to water and electricity infrastructure in Etiquini and in Stanga as well, leaving residents without any of those uh, basic supplies. Uh, so we will give you an update on that. We are trying to uh, speak to the spokesperson for Cogta to get an update on that situation. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. When I matriculated, the results were printed in the newspaper and it would come before Christmas. Yeah, I remember as a reporter going to the Star newspaper um, headquarters at midnight uh, when I was a young reporter and going with everybody else to go get their metric results. That's how it was done then. Um, everybody would go and, and wait for the newspapers to be printed. Your name would be in the newspaper. And that happened before the end of the year. So now for it to be coming out so late, I think that does have a knock-on effect on a lot of people and their plans and their lives. Um, and, and I think that that is a concern for, for people, the fact that it's only going to be coming out on the 19th of January. So if you are heading to university, um, if you, uh, ha- you know, need to redo uh, any subjects or um, anything like that, I think it does have a, a, a real impact on people. I'd love to hear more about that. 702, 702. Mandy Wiener Weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. 12.39 on the Midday Report. So Action SA has announced its deputy mayor nominee in Twane. The uh, DA putting uh, uh, saying, who of course has the, the mayorship uh, in the coalition government in Tswane. Um, Action SA saying that there was a need for a, a deputy mayor. But there has been some concern from the EFF saying that the DA's proposal for that deputy mayor position is an unnecessary addition to uh, the council, which would serve no purpose other than squandering taxpayers' money. The EFF saying it is wasteful expenditure. The argument from from the DA is that uh, in terms of a coalition, it is necessary to make sure that there's representation. And Action Action SA spokespersons say the party had consistently been advocating for the needs of a deputy mayor in order to ensure that the principles of co-governance were applied. So do you think there should be a deputy mayor? Um, Is this important when it comes to coalitions? This is all the kinds of issues that we're going to have to navigate um, as we, we, we increasingly see coalition governments. Well, let's speak now to the uh, incoming deputy mayor of the city of Twani, Dr. Nasipa Moya. Dr. Moya, good afternoon to you. Thank you for making time to, to speak to us. Firstly, let's deal with the issue of whether we, we need a deputy mayor or not in the city of, of Twane. What is the argument from, from Action SA? Um, good day, Mandy, and to the viewers at home. Um, sorry, the listeners at home. I, I think the first thing, um, I understand the concerns from the opposition, and we did touch on it even at the press earlier today, that um, with a city that has as many challenges as as, as city of Tuane, you obviously don't want to be seen to be going with gimmicks and not necessarily resolving the the, the challenges that you have. However, the, first of all, the a position of the executive deputy mayor was um, part of the coalition agreement before we were elected into council. So it's not something that is now coming up in the midterm to say, no, let's ask peace action and say, no, this was the vision of the coalition before we got into council. Secondly, the position of the deputy mayor comes with very specific delegations. We understand and appreciate the challenges that the city of Tuane faces. Therefore, there was a 
decision to say what would be the functions that can be delegated by the executive mayor to the deputy mayor and there are two in the main one is to oversee the capital projects anyone who's been privy to the annual report for instance would understand that that function needs a specific focus strong leadership and coordination in order to make sure that we spend our capital projects and that they the projects that are budgeted actually get to be implemented and be given to communities. Mm. Secondly, there's the day-to-day, sorry, just so there's the day-to-day operations that happen with the, you know, the present maintenance of infrastructure at the regional level. That is also the, 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 the function that is delegated to the executive mayor so that the executive mayor can continue with other priorities while the executive deputy mayor uh, is seized with these two functions in the main. So you speak about uh, those very specific roles that will be distinguished between yourself and, and the mayor, Celia Brink. Uh, he is obviously from the DA. You are from Action SA. We know that they, um, you are in a coalition, but there are disagreements. Uh, how do you foresee that working relationship with Celia Brink? Um, actually, I am very positive about it. I think from also our brief conversation this morning, we seem to be on the same page in terms of the bottom line. But in drafting these delegations, it was between Action SA and DA. And in our discussion, the question was, how can this position, yes, we understand that it's in the coalition agreement, but how can we use this position in order to assist and aid the efforts in order to deliver services to the city? So I'm very positive about it. Okay, so you, you've mentioned that you can focus on transversal functions related to infrastructure development, repairs and maintenance. We know that there have been issues with municipal workers in Tswane. That's had a knock-on effect in terms of, of infrastructure. Um, so for the residents of Tswane, how do you hope to improve uh, repairs, maintenance, infrastructure in the city of Tswane? So the way they obviously um, with the powers that can be delegated to a, a political leader. Um, so there will be a, we will coordinate through, uh, you know, we already have the MMCs that are deployed in regions. And I think what is important is that coordination function and someone who can also hold those uh, MMCs, you know, um, you know, uh, accountable in making sure that whatever is planned, it gets to the residences. And obviously that includes looking at what are the inhibitors of service delivery at a regional level. If it's an issue of workers, um, you know, unhappiness or whatever, then those are the things that the deputy mayor must then take to the mayor and say, listen, we now need to get this team and that team together to resolve this in order to clear the blockage for the services to go to the people. Dr. Nasibi Moya, Action SA incoming Deputy Mayor of the City of Tuane, thank you very much for your time. Uh, explaining there the motivation for having a Deputy Mayor, we know that the EFF is against this. Uh, all of this, of course, against the backdrop of the fact that, that many of those municipal workers and the ongoing strike, a lot of that was to do with the budget of the City of Tuane. So is this good expenditure? Uh, is it necessary when it comes to coalition governments? Send us a WhatsApp voice notes. I'd love to hear from you. 702, The Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. So I had been telling you about the situation in KZN with the flooding. Five more people confirmed dead. Uh, Durban beaches, public pools closed after rain damage as well. Let's get the latest on that with uh, Sponiso Mgadi, KZN Cogta spokesperson. Uh, Sponiso, sorry to to uh, keep you waiting. Thank you for, for calling us back. I appreciate it very much. What's the latest in KZN in terms of the flooding? 
Yeah, well, uh, so far, uh, six people have been confirmed to have passed away as a result, and they still have two that are still missing. Uh, our search and rescue team are still continuing uh, with the search of those people that uh, went missing when they are, uh, their ship was washed away. Um, uh, our disaster teams are also continuing with assessment. The roads have been uh, damaged, uh, power lines. Some areas are trying to restore power and uh, water as well, working together with the two and but there's also other areas affected outside, like uh, Stenga and also uh, into the area where uh, people's houses were flooded. We are uh, continuing with assessment in all those areas, also providing relief, uh, such as working together with the uh, non-governmental organization that has uh, come forward to uh, provide assistance to, to those mm. uh, native communities. I, I did see in some instances people are also missing that you are searching for people that may have been washed away in the floods yeah no definitely if you look at the area of uh, Valerim where we are right now as you calling me uh, most of the houses there are also some informal settlements that they built on uh, just next to the river bank so when the river got flooded uh, those uh, 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 houses or the human uh, 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 informal settlement some of them were affected some were washed away and then the couple that we've been searching for was among those people that uh, built along the river bank and that was washed away. So it's a, a quite a very uh, a mission exercise for search and rescue to look at the terrain that they are searching on. But we are hopeful that uh, because of the numbers that they have brought here to working with other uh, private institutions such as IPSS, Medical Rescue, uh, uh, we will be able to uh, de- discover them. Thank you very much uh, for that, uh, Sponiso Mgadi, KZN Cocta spokesperson, uh, Itakweni, assessing the extent of that infrastructure damage following the, the flood. Six people, six more people confirmed uh, dead there. And, and KZN Shoch, in terms of, of flooding and uh, the impact on infrastructure and the loss of life, uh, every year we seem to be seeing this uh, happening. And of course, uh, such a such a concern um, at the, the infrastructure damage and, and they just can't seem to, to catch a break there. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Very good afternoon, Mandy. Mandy, it is quite interesting. I thought that that question you were going to ask the deputy mayor to, to say, where is the money going to come from? Because when the workers were looking for increase, the, 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 the answer was that there is no money. Then where, where is the money going to come from? Moshe bye. And Mashiro, that's exactly the point that I made, is that when it came to this ongoing protracted strike with, with Samu, the complaint was, uh, where does the money come from to pay them? And the city said it didn't have the money. And now the city has the money, apparently, to pay for a deputy mayor. And that's why the EFF is upset about this, saying that it is wasteful expenditure. Do you think this is the right expenditure? Of, of money. Obviously, they have found the money to, to pay for a deputy mayor, and they're saying it's important in terms of the coalition government, in terms of uh, the various responsibilities. Well, what do you think? Uh, do you think it is a wasteful expenditure? 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. You may have watched the ANC's January 8th celebrations in Mpumalanga at the weekend. You may not have watched them because there was a lot of sport on. Maybe you were doing something else. Don't worry. Tidi Madia, Associate Politics Editor at EWN, uh, watched it for us. So in case uh, people did not watch, just give us a quick overview of what the president uh, focused on. Good afternoon, Mandy. I think it was just a 
30 years in review, if you may, of NC government, government, government governance. And so a lot of reflection on what the NC has done. Very broad uh, take, really, on South Africa's development, where it is. Very few, I think, I think very short on details on its current challenges and what it needs to deal with. I think those is saving for the manifesto. But ultimately, I was about to say, that all coming in the manifesto yeah, launch, yeah. right? So this is yeah. retrospective instead of looking to the future. Absolutely, with sprinkles of from, a, of from a President Jacob Zuma here and there at that event. How much uh, is he consuming the oxygen of the ANC? I think more than it should, actually, because the party hasn't dealt with it, Mandy. The public announcement on the 16th from the former president uh, in December got a response from the NC that they'll deal with it in due time. However, attending some of the events in Pumalanga, Zuma's name becomes a factor. Media wants to know. So constantly, the refusal to respond and deal with something becomes not just the elephant in the room, but a dominating conversation. Um, I think it was interesting, I told Mangani this earlier on, that for me, it was ironic that 10 years ago, Zuma was president of the party, laughing at coffins of RIP Malema, RIP EFF. Today, 10 years later, same stadium, Bombela, it's RIP Zuma, uh, RIP MK Party. But he did dominate. And I think that within the NEC, there's a difference of opinion about how to deal with it. Some are saying within the next few weeks, it'll show whether the decision to not deal with it head on directly when they should have was a good one or not. Tiri, thank you very much. Uh, Tiri Madia, Associate Politics Editor. Well, let's get some reaction to this now uh, with the Kasatu National Spokesperson, Matthew Parks, the alliance partners of the ANC criticising its uh, NEC over what they're saying is a failure to take decisive action against some municipalities that aren't paying workers as well as individuals dividing the party. As we heard from Tiri there, that mention of Zuma. Matthew Parks, good afternoon to you. What is Kasatu's reaction to what uh, the uh, president President of the ANC had to say over the weekend. Hi, good afternoon. The thanks. I mean, the, the rally was was first was a um, The rally is kind of a bit of a show of force, a bit of a bring out numbers, you know, show that you have support on the ground. So, um, a bit of a moment to excite membership and supporters and voters, especially in the run up to a, a difficult election. It is a chance, as you know, as your colleague was saying, that um, to reflect on the successes of the past 30 years as we come to our third celebration. So for us, it's all of those those tick boxes. It's not easy to fill a stadium by any stretch of the imagination. I think for us, the greatest thing that anything needs to do is simply to deliver. So, an example, we had noticed that we have about 36 municipalities across the country which struggle to pay staff. So the agency needs to be seen in those towns to be dealing with the chaos in those councils. Um, because not just a question of staff not being paid, it's a question of the basic services not being delivered to communities, but the issues are linked together. So anything needs to just focus on those basics, fixing ESCOM, fixing transfer so the manufacturing, mining, agricultural sectors can take off, fixing other SOEs so societies can see things being done, um, the economy can be taken off, unemployment can begin to fall again. If it can do that, the agency will, will get the supporters back on track. Uh, the ANC, of course, uh, will be gearing up towards the elections. We'll have a manifesto launch uh, next month as well. What are Kasatu's expectations around that? Uh, and uh, you've mentioned, of course, a focus on, on workers, a focus on service delivery. Uh, how, how involved will Kasatu be in that? Yeah, so we are working with the ANC nationally as an alliance partner, um, what we always do all the time. But we are working with the ANC on the manifesto drafting as well. Um, and I think for us, a lot of parts come with high... You know, big uh, sounding promises is the basics. Um, it's about giving relief to the poor, giving some protection to workers, um, rebuilding the state and public services, 
that there's a, that, that the quality that society needs. Um, tackling corruption, seeing people have stolen money from the state, who are involved in crimes, etc., going to prison. It's all growing the economy. Just those basics. If you can fix those things, the economy will grow. Um, and obviously, a key amongst them is the issues of the electricity at, at ESCOM, is the issue of the transit of metro rail, and other SOEs and municipalities too. So I think for us, those are the, the big pen issues, and those are the issues that need to be dealt with. We have seen some progress on them. Um, at times, it's always easy to forget the uh, things that are beginning to move forward. You know, in the past year, we've seen unemployment falling from 46 to 41%. Still a mm. very, very scary number. Right. But if we can continue that momentum, then things will continue to, to get better. Matthew, thank you very much. Matthew Parks, Kasatu National Spokesperson, speaking there about uh, the ANC reacting to the president uh, of the ANC, Sir Ramaphosa's comments uh, at the weekend. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. On 702 and Cape Talk. Mwanda Mateza in studio to wrap up the weekend sport. It is so busy at the at the moment. Um, I am finding myself flicking between AFCON and the Australian Open and SA20 and uh, English soccer. Sure. Where do you want to start with AFCON? With AFCON, definitely. And it's going to be another day like that today, especially because you've got uh, Australian Open, AFCON and the SA20 again today and much for much of the week as well. Um, yeah, at AFCON yesterday, we had a thrilling result between uh, Cape Verde and Ghana. Uh, I don't know if it's one looking back that we should have been surprised at, especially because of the fact that a lot of the Cape Verdean players uh, start out their football in Portugal and apply their trade there. Uh, and the Ghanaian side isn't the side from 2010 and 2014 that we were all all uh, so in awe of. Uh, so I think that result was full. Well, Cape Verde were definitely full value for their result. A little bit disappointing, though, for Mozambique that they couldn't hold on for their victory against Egypt. I think that would have been a phenomenal result for them. And just uh, for the context of this, I've got it would have blown the whole tournament wide open. But in that particular group with Cape Verde, Ghana, uh, Egypt and Mozambique, it's really open now. And um, it's going to be winner takes all uh, for the next couple of games as well. Uh, there is Possibly one of Egypt and Ghana still could make it as a third place finisher, but I'm back in Cape Verde to go on and, and do big things in that group. Um, and then you also had Nigeria side that a lot of people would have been fancying, especially considering they've got Victor Osimhen, the current African player of the year, and a couple of others in their side that um, they ended up drawing to Equatorial Guinea and had to come from behind. Uh, so yeah, some phenomenal results over the weekend and looking forward to some more great fixtures today. We've got Senegal and Gambia uh, at uh, four, also Algeria versus Angola at uh, 10 and then uh, Cameroon, who are up against Guinea at seven. So some thrilling, thrilling encounters to look forward to at AFCON. Okay, let's speak uh, briefly about uh, Stormers. Stormers. Uh, yes. I, I feel like the Stormers have, have are starting to hit their straps right at the right time this season. Uh, first game of the year, they were full value as well for their 31-24 win over the Sail Sharks in the Champions Cup. It's a bonus point victory. They move on to the next phase of the competition, but still have a group game against La Rochelle uh, coming up this weekend. Um, so I think they're also... Um, have a lot of their players in good form. You saw Manny Leboc and uh, Damien Willemsa, amongst others, Leo Linzas, uh, and a couple of others who are looking like they're really, really up for it and uh, can continue in more of the same vein as they did last year. And also credit to the Bulls, who uh, ended up beating the Bristol Bears 31-17 in their Champions Cup game. A lot of people were talking about the Bulls uh, fielding an understrength side, uh, but guys like Delumbilo, Gomerte, uh, and a couple of others, Kutam Gunu, uh, did very well for themselves and made a name for themselves and made a mark uh, in that particular competition, as did Hak Chiva Daimani for, for the Stormers as well.
let's uh, talk um, uh, cricket. Uh, SA20. Yeah, SA20. So uh, the uh, my Cape Town side was a side uh, that is looking for redemption this season, having mm. been fancied last year. Didn't do really th- uh, that well. Ended up bottom of the table this season. Uh, they lost their first game. However, on Saturday against the Joburg Super Kings, were absolutely brilliant. How was that innings from Rossi? I was for there. The I watched the whole yeah, innings. Yeah, it was amazing. Brilliant. He was he was on such great form. Yeah, and there's no doubting what a player he is. Uh, often doubted when he plays for the national side, but also plays some critical innings a lot of the time. And I think yes. Um, Saturday we saw the best of him and, and Ryan Rickleton as well Mike Cape Town probably a side to look out for and now that I've said that I've probably cursed them for the rest of the season <laughs> and then Australian Open uh, we had a Sunday start for a change usually it starts on, on a Monday they've uh, already been some some epic games yeah uh, starting with uh, world number one Novak Djokovic against Dino Prismic uh, yesterday however one of the things that he did say was that he wasn't feeling well uh, and I think that's one of the things that is going to happen if you are going to win against Novak Djokovic he has to not be at 100% otherwise he is is going to mop the floor with all comers. Uh, and there was a good game again uh, today with uh, Stefano Sissipas, who came from a Did set Did you see that, that one shot of his over the net? No, it I haven't. incredible. You must go have, have a look. Yeah. He, he reached over the net and, and hit the ball into... I'll, I'll have definitely have a look at that one. Uh, one of the players I enjoy watching also tends to disappoint me, though. Uh, and then uh, out in the women's singles today, we had a very big upset with Marketa Vondrasova uh, getting knocked out. Um, and I think uh, women's tennis, again, is going to be ever so unpredictable uh, at this particular tournament, very exciting. Mawande, thank you so much. Lots to, to speak about in the world of sport. The Midday Report. Well, thank you so much for joining us.